This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Russell Westbrook is off to Houston. It's going to be scary. Not for us. No! James Harden just caught a body here in Los Angeles. And Westbrook is on the freeway. What's up, guys? Welcome to this podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Salman Ali NBA on Twitter. This podcast is brought to you by DoorDash and Bet Online. Today we're continuing our Rockets coaching series, looking at outside hires to the Rockets. So basically we're going to be looking at coaches not affiliated with the Rockets, past or present tense. Today we're going to have on Dan Favalli of Bleacher Report to go through these coaches with me. Just as a heads up, this podcast is a little outdated because we recorded this podcast before Doc Rivers got hired by the 76ers and after he got fired by the Clippers. So we're going to be talking about Doc as a possibility for the Rockets job. But if you want to skip all that, uh, and I'll even put this in the description, uh, go to the 17-minute mark, and we don't talk about Doc anymore, and we're pretty much on to guys like Ty Lue, Jason Kidd, uh, whoever the Rockets have linked to them right now. I hope you guys enjoy. And we are back, joined by Dan Favalli of Bleacher Report. Dan, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, Simon. How are you? I'm doing all right. So... This is part two in the Rockets coaching search series we're doing for this podcast. In part one, we had Adam Spolian of Sports Radio 610 to talk about Houston-based candidates, basically candidates with any past or present affiliation with the organization. In this episode, we're going to be talking about strictly outside hires, so candidates with no known past or present affiliation with the Rockets. But before we get into that, let's get into a bit of news that broke yesterday that is particularly relevant to this podcast, uh, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, and this reporting has been expanded on uh, by Ramona Shelburne this morning, uh, the Los Angeles Clippers have chosen to move on from Doc Rivers as their head coach. Uh, seems like a Steve Ballmer decision. Uh, Doc has been the, the head coach there for seven years, one of the longest tenured coaches in the league. He was there for the Lob City Clippers, the Donald Sterling fiasco, and was an integral part in putting the Clippers back on the map. Uh, the Clippers this year obviously fell short of expectations, blowing a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets in the second round. Uh, Dan, what was your immediate reaction to hearing this news? Were you as shocked as I was? Yeah, I was absolutely shocked. I mean, the word was that his job was safe, and it seemed like he almost could have stayed but like didn't have the support of Steve Ballmer. And so what did that mean exactly? Like if you came out of the gate and went like 2-3 and three or something next year, like that he would just be done and maybe didn't want to deal with that when he had so many um, – like other options right now. I'm very interested to see if he lands with one of the current opening ones. I'm, I'm interested to see if Houston even ends up um, sort of talking to him. It seems like for a veteran heavy team that uh, he might be someone that sort of fits for them, but I really just, he had two years left on his deal. So I, and this was just year one and there were these unprecedented circumstances. I know you have Kawhi and Paul George coming up on free agency in 2021 as well, but I believe that part of the reason Kawhi went to LA is because doc, 
helped sell him on it and he wanted to play for doc. And so to see him out after a year again, with I think two years left on his deal, at least one of which was guaranteed was a, a very surprising to me. Yeah. I, I was pretty shocked by the news for a couple of reasons. One is because it just completely came out of nowhere. Like doc, as you said, had two years left on his deal. We never heard any, heard any rumblings about his job security throughout the season, which you normally do before someone gets canned like that. And even after the Clippers got eliminated, it wasn't a big talking point. And two is because Doc is a pretty damn good coach. And for all his quirks, he's widely respected by players around the league. He, he's a pretty good X's and O's guy. And I personally had him as like a top seven, top eight coach in the league. And when you get to that level as a coach, it's extremely hard to upgrade as an organization. Like there's a point of diminishing returns there. Uh, it's very much like Mike D'Antoni where, yes, there are coaches in the league that you could say are better than him. But it's only like a handful. And at that point, it's extremely risky to fire a coach of that caliber because you pretty much have to, like in all caps, nail the next coach. Like you're more likely to get worse at at coach when you move on from a coach like that uh, than you are to get better. And listen, like you're right, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard both have player options next year that they're both likely to opt out of and can both leave and explore the marketplace. So this is going to be a pivotal hire for the Clippers. Yeah, and look, this isn't normally a move I would think that you make unless you have his replacement in mind. And with Ty Lue already being on the assistant coaching staff, maybe that's the direction they're going with this. But it also seems like they genuinely don't have a clear-cut idea. And perhaps that's okay because it seems like there are a bunch of quality candidates out there. But I honestly don't know. Like the the suddenness with it, uh, like even it seems like the soup, like the the insider insiders didn't really know about this until like within a week that like this was something that could have potentially happened. So I'm very interested what direction they go. You would think that they'll go for one of those like um, established names, like in Jeff Van Gundy and Ty Lube have been the two that have been mentioned the most, but like, are they a team that might be willing to take a gamble on someone who might be more inventive for them on offense? Uh, I've always thought that teams should consider doing that. Like it's almost like the, you know, maybe it's not as easy as the Nick nurse move in Toronto because like he was already in their pipeline but like, why not just take, if there's like an assistant that's just been mentioned and like, I don't want to mention any names yet just because we'll talk about some of them. But like, if there are assistants that have just been mentioned so often who haven't really gotten a crack at a head coaching gig before, like I wouldn't be opposed as a franchise in this situation to roll the dice on it because you've already, you know, spun the wheel of chance by getting rid of Doc Rivers in general. This is clearly the best job on the market, right? Like, like opening up, I I feel, well, you disagree with that? Yeah, I would not. I'm not, I don't want to say I wouldn't want to touch this with a 10 foot pole, but I don't know what type of job security you have just with um, Kawhi and Paul George having free agency in 2021. And I think even if you want to say it's the second most appealing option, I, I just have to put New Orleans with the asset base that they've laid. I would think that that's the most tantalizing proposition for a coach, um, both in terms of just the talent and the optionality, because like, you know, you have all those assets to make trades, you have assets to where you could divest and get more assets. Um, and then also I feel like there's a level of like multi-year job security that you won't necessarily have anywhere else because New Orleans as much talent as they have, it doesn't really feel like they're going to be too win now over the next two years. God, this is such a Twitter answer, the New Orleans. Um, no, I, I I get what you're saying. It is uh, New Orleans is definitely going to be one of the top jobs in the market. I still have this Clippers, this Clippers team just a, a, a notch above them, just because that roster still. I I I can't get over how good how good and deep it is. Like yeah, and they do have some decisions to make this summer, but defensively and offensively, if they can figure their stuff out. I think they're right back at the top of the Western Conference next season. Like, I, I know they fell short this season. I know, you know, the Nuggets look really, really promising moving forward. I still think, 
you know, going forward, I have the Lakers as probably the top team in the Western Conference next year, and the Clippers as number two. Without seeing what's going to happen this summer, like that's probably where I'm at. I definitely agree with you. Like, they, just in terms of talent and the immediacy with which you could win, like they clearly have some like major locker room issues, and I don't know that you necessarily have the personalities there to remedy it because. As good as Kawhi is, it's never seemed like he's that super vocal leader that's going to steady the ship or like create this like functional equilibrium where you have guys like uh, Beverly, if Trez comes back, and then Lou Williams who want to win all 82 games. But then you have other veterans and probably the coach, Doc Rivers, who was going to try and take the longer view. Like you need to find a way to bridge that gap. And normally if you have like strong veterans, it doesn't necessarily have to be your star, but it doesn't necessarily feel like they have, you know, you would say Bev's or um Lou Will would probably be like one of the strongest voices or even Trez there but because they're so diametrically opposed to thinking it seems the way that like a Paul George or Kawhi would think I I feel like you there's something combustible there and I don't know that I would want to necessarily be a part of that if I had the chance to be a part of New Orleans or you might even be able like just behind the scenes stuff you might be able to just trust Houston a little bit better because it seems like there's some real organizational alignment there in terms of how they want to play and at least like, you know, there's the, I don't like, I don't know how you feel about Tillman Fertitta's you know, financial um, pr- prospects right now. And if you're worried that he might need to blow up the team or if he just doesn't have the patience to ride it out with Russell Westbrook and James Harden, I don't know. The Clippers just seem, uh, they're so, they're so tantalizing. I, I totally agree with you that if you're looking to win a championship as a coach immediately, like they're the best option, but there's also just that like combustibility there behind the scenes, as we saw this year with the Doc Rivers there that I don't know if I would want to come in over some like one or two other teams that currently have vacancies. So I'll say this as much as I've loved the Clippers roster this entire year, there has been like an air of arrogance there. Uh, and like they acted like they were a four time champion going into their fifth season as a team. And you know, they, they, they just, they just were a team that hadn't proved it. And going into every playoff series, they just never put their foot on the pedal. And I, and, and I was just kind of waiting for them to, okay, like show us what you can be as a team fully formed. Cause we all have that in our head, right? We, mm-hmm. we all have the, I mean, even throughout the year, there were a top five offense and a top five defense. Like we all knew what they could potentially be, but they just never put it together in the postseason because they carried themselves. Like they already belonged in the Western conference finals and they were just waiting to get there. And it was just like, that's just not the kind of attitude you want there, and you're going to need that leadership at some point. So I do agree with you. La- there's something lacking there, and maybe they find that in their next coach. Who knows? Um, but I, you know, we're going to agree to disagree here because I, 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 if I'm a coach, I just, I just look at the most talented roster on the market. It's, it's clearly the Clippers to me. I will say, if they end up hiring Jeff Van Gundy, that immediately becomes like the most implosive situation in the NBA because like he's not going to take like anything from anyone. And so like, he might be more of like the um, like go getting type of a, like Montrez Harrell and Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams. And like, it feels like his philosophy might be run counter to what like Kawhi and even Paul George might be thinking about. I also want to know how much Paul George is part of the problem here. Just looking emotionally, because functionally he's a, he's a fantastic player, even given that he's turned in some postseason duds over the past few years. It's just, I don't want to, I've tried to, reserve judgment or making jokes about players when they've been in the bubble, just because I can only imagine being sequestered that long, like what it could do to you, you know, mentally, like being apart from your family, like loved ones, but like, it has to be tough. And I know 
military people do it and all that stuff. But it just it has to be tough for your psyche. At the same time, everything he said just seemed to make the situation for the Clippers absolutely worse. And it seemed like he was rubbing people the wrong way even back in January um, before all this started. And so can you come in and like get at where it seems like Kawhi Leonard might be on one page and then you have like Paul George and then you have, you know, whatever vets are left from the Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, Trez, Troika, and then like, then there are the other players on the team. Like if Marcus Morris is back or Zubats or Jermichael Green, Landry Shamit, like it just feels like there might be like four different uh, personality types in that locker room. And like that could get like super awkward. I have yet to meet a Pacers fan that has fond things to say about Paul George. Like, and I'm not sure what that means or if that means anything at all, but this stuff kind of goes back to his days in Indiana too. Like he just seemed to be so outwardly weird with the media and, and his press conferences. And it's just, it's very strange. And I I do agree that I I don't want to judge what players were doing in the bubble, especially performance wise. I can't imagine the kind of stress they were under. But yeah, there's something there that they have to figure out. Uh, I don't know what it is. I think you, that's probably why they made the, the move they did. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about how this may or may not affect the Rockets. Uh, here are the current coaches we've heard linked to the current vacancy. Uh, Tyron Liu, Jason Kidd, Steven Silas, Adrian Griffin, and Wes Unsell Jr. Uh, and as of yesterday... Doc Rivers is a coach Houston has interest in. So, uh, Dan, out of all those names, which name sticks out to you the most for this job? Sticks out in terms of, like, what would be the best fit or, like, maybe surprising that they're on the list? Wherever you want to go with it. I'm like, you said Wes Unsell Jr., right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, like, surprises me, like, in a good way because it feels like Houston is prepared to maybe think outside the box. And his the work that he's done in Denver – um, he's received a lot, and I'm not going to pretend to be like this super incredible expert in head coaches, but the work he's done in Denver, he's received a lot of credit for their player development. And you just look at like how many players that um, they're not like these second draft players, but you just look at even how like the bigger name players like Jamal Murray has developed um, Monte Morris being there though, like that could give you a lot of confidence in that. And then they've, I would argue like people have criticized their defense, but like them being a league average defense essentially over the past two years, like that's, with their personnel and particularly their lack of like wing stoppers, that's a huge overachievement. And so to, to look at um, someone like him, I actually think is an encouraging sign for at least what it says about Houston search, where they won't just default to like the bigger name types. Uh, so I hope that he receives legitimate consideration and he's, he's been like billed as one of these really up and coming coaching prospects. And that would intrigue me as a fit in Houston. I'm not saying that there's no offensive work to be done, but like, if you're going to play around James Harden, like it's kind of known what you're going to do and to kind of get this really like solid and defensive focused mind in there as your actual head coach. Like if you're going to play that, if you're going to continue with micro ball, like they do plan to, I feel like that could end up having untold value that perhaps we haven't necessarily considered. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of obsessive about this coaching stuff. Like, I, I always, whenever I talk to a scout, I always ask about these young assistants around the league who, you know, are up and coming, perhaps could be a head coach one day. Wes Ansel Jr. is a name I started hearing this year. I, I didn't start hearing him until this year. And, you know, you hear a lot of positive things about him in, in terms of what he's done with the defense, with, with the Nuggets, obviously. Uh, he's an NBA lifer. He's been around the game for, like, 20 years or something like that. Like, he, I mean, obviously, he has the father connection there. And 
it's it's one of those things where the Rockets are definitely searching at some of these lifer kind of candidates. Like Steven Silas, another guy they're looking at. Adrian Griffin's a guy they looked at last year. I mean, not, not last year, four years ago when they had a coaching vacancy. So they're definitely going to have a cast a wide net in terms of these assistant coaches. But I think the obvious answer here for the, the, the kind of fit for this job is Doc Rivers. Uh, Doc, to me, right now, is clearly the most accomplished head coach on the free agent marketplace. Uh, he's a guy with strong interpersonal skills. He's a solid X to nose guy and someone you can credibly sell to your fan base that at the very least is a lateral move from Mike D'Antoni, if not mm-hmm. a sl- slight improvement. And that's not exactly what fan bases want to hear. But as I've said before, it's incredibly difficult from a coach when you've, uh, when you've had someone like Mike D'Antoni. And uh, I know there's a lot of Rockets fans listening to this scoffing, and I'm just telling you right now, there's a reason D'Antoni can basically pick his next job right now. Like, he's a hell of a coach, and it's no secret at this point that the Rockets wanted to bring him back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Doc's a guy you can hire and sleep easier at night as an organization. Yeah, I feel like he might, his, you know, we think his voice is like hoarse now. Imagine coaching Russell Westbrook, though, for like <laughs> a year. I feel like, would he have a voice left? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, it would be fascinating. And and I, I know the me, the media here would love Doc in, in the locker room because he is very, very great at speaking and and just like very much like Austin. Like Austin's the guy, like, you know that period before the game, before tip-off where the media can enter the locker room and talk to players? Yep. That's basically Austin hour. Like, like Austin <laughs> has a line outside his locker room every time, you know, the, that media availability is available to, the, to, to you know, reporters. Is he, on like, is he the only one that's not wearing his headphones or looking down the entire time? Probably. Yeah. The only <laughs> one that's not hiding, <laughs> hiding out in the restroom, right? Like he, right. He, he's the one who's actually there willing to talk to people. And he seems like he really wants to talk about whatever the hell people want to talk about. So he, Austin's very much like his dad in that way. And if, 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 I mean, it'd just be hilarious if doc ended up coaching his son again, but um, I, I do think it's a nice fit. Like, like he's he's really good with veteran star players, and I think if you're talking about a coach who you you just want to hire, just you just fit in there, you don't have to worry about it. Like Doc's definitely the kind of guy where I think he's good enough to you know to win a championship, and I think you know he may not be like you know Brad Stevens, um, Nick Nurse, that kind of like top echelon coach but it's very very hard to find those kind of guys and doc's at that level where like you're very secure in what you have at head coach yeah and i think it helps that it seems like he has the the similar i don't want to say hands-off philosophy to d'antoni but like not someone that's gonna ride your veterans too hard and like he's notorious for not having too many practices during the season and so like when you have a roster where i think you can trust everyone like you know particularly your main guys like that they're putting in the work and that you don't need to be on them every five seconds. Like it's different in Philly right now, where it seems like they might need a Ty Lu, who, in addition to just being really inventive offensively, you just know that he's going to be in the ear of guys with accountability. I think people wish that Doc uh, had instilled more accountability with the Clippers. Uh, it probably is a little bit easier to straddle that line in Houston, where you know your two stars certainly feel like they're on the same page, and the supporting cast has been fleshed out in your main star's image. Like it's not like the supporting cast predates James Harden at this point. Whereas the supporting cast in LA predated Paul George and Quine Leonard, like that probably opened the door for some uh, odd issues that no one really foresaw. And I think that does make him like a quality fit. And you make the great point of you can sell it as like a lateral move from D'Antoni because look, if we're being honest, it's not, I don't know if you can apply it to every situation, um, but people try to box in D'Antoni. He's more adaptable, which is why I wouldn't be crazy about him in Philly 
but I do think that he has the chops to adjust and that they're not going to have to blow up their roster just to fit him in. He is to me, the best head coach head coaching candidate on the market right now. And I think that if you're a veteran team, Doc Rivers could probably be argued as, as the clear second. If it like, maybe it's maybe Ty Lue kind of sneaks his way in there because he's certainly up there. Uh, Jason Kidd better not be on that list for anybody. I think Stan Van Gundy's not seeing enough love. Like I haven't heard his name at all and it does seem like he wants to coach again. So that surprised me a little bit, but uh, I, I do that point that you made where you can sell it as like, maybe fans don't want to see you take a chance on an, an unproven coach. Uh, they rather see you take that swing on the trade market or, or you know, the optics are that you hired one of these coaches because you didn't want to pay them. And you know, that doc comes at a premium. So hiring him sort of, you know, kind of makes the fan base feel at ease. Like th- there's certainly validity to that. And the point you mentioned about his attitude being kind of a, a smooth transition from D'Antoni is, is very true. Like D'Antoni's a guy who doesn't do shoot arounds anymore. It's, it's always surprising when you see, when you get like, uh, an opposing teams media uh, crew come in and they're and they're already in the arena and they're like and you're just kind of like why are they here and like oh shoot they had shoot around and you just kind of forget about it right like because it's not mm-hmm. it doesn't exist here in Houston right. but like but like it is one of those things where like yeah like Doc's a former player he knows he knows how it goes this is a very old and veteran team and like I think I think that kind of a fit makes a lot of sense if you're Houston. Um, Here's a question. So the Rockets under Maury have traditionally run like long searches when they have a, lo- a coaching vacancy. Like they're, they like to be very thorough. I think Mike D'Antoni's agent, Warren Legary once described it as anal retentive, but uh, <laughs> here's the problem this time around. Like here are the coaching vacancies around the NBA. Clippers, Sixers, Rockets, Pacers, Pelicans, Thunder. There's a lot of great jobs there. It doesn't get like more competitive than that. I guess the logical question there is like, should they try to fast track their process now that there's another awesome job opening there with the Clippers and another big name on the market, or should they continue with the long search? I think they can get away with the long search unless they think that Ty Lue might be their guy, just because it feels like uh, he's that it feels like MDA is going to be in Philly unless he doesn't want to be. And then like Ty Lue is a clear front runner for the Clippers and it doesn't Mike D'Antoni hasn't even been mentioned with the Clippers. So it feels like those two positions might almost be ironed out. And so I don't know where Doc Rivers goes if it's not to Philly or, and he already left the Clippers off. So if it's not Philly or Houston, like, is he going to go to Indiana? Like it does feel like he wants to be, he's definitely not going to go to AK, OKC or New Orleans to me. It feels like he wants to be in a more ready-made contending position. If, I mean, if he's talking about going to New Orleans, then yeah, you might have to act, but uh, it's really just unless Ty Lue is their guy or they think that he could be their guy, depending on how heavily interested they are in him. I don't necessarily know that they have to rush this process. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off on your first order with DoorDash. 
the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager on than anyone else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I love the caveat you have there because I, I totally agree. Unless they have someone in mind, they don't have to rush because there are a lot of quality candidates out there. Like, I don't think the Rockets are going to be stuck with some sorry coach. Like, I think if if they go with the long process, if, if they explore all these assistants, like, yeah, you might lose out on Doc. You might lose out on Ty Lue. You might lose out on maybe Jeff Van Gundy if he's really in the mix for the, for the Clippers job. But you're still going to get a good quality head coach. And I don't think it's one of those things where it's like a game of musical chairs where you just end up, you know, without a seat i think you're going to get a quality coach if you if you want to if you want to go that way now if i'm the rockets i fast track the process and i go after doc just because i think doc's that good of a coach but they don't have to do that and they may not agree with me in in terms of doc being that clear cut of a front runner for the job yeah i wonder if they might think like oh is he going to try and coach defense too hard into to our players just because there's a lot of stuff that just probably could fly under d'antoni that won't under doc and so he's going to look to empower guys defensively, and that could probably come off borderline grading at points. And we saw it with DeAndre Jordan in like sort of his first stop with Los Angeles. And then like he didn't really have to, when you look at the talent he had with Kawhi and Paul George and Patrick Beverly, like how often do you need to coach defensive effort? Like that's not. And then the teams, you know, prior, they were kind of like these scrappy teams. So it was sort of funny to see like Clippers become offense first under Doc last year um, before they had these stars. But it feels like Houston would provide him with the opportunity to really coach defense and i'm not necessarily like trying to single out james harden or russell westbrook there but like looking at a roco or pj tucker or or daniel house like those feel like guys that he would really like try and embolden and build up defensively and then i think that attitude could then spill over to like are you going to expect more out of james harden are you going to expect more out of russell westbrook too because james harden carries such a heavy offensive workload anyway and i'm not sure you know, maybe he won't. Like, maybe he's just chiller than I'm giving him credit for. But he's he's a coach who seems like he likes to coach defense. And I'm just curious how much that actually jibes with Houston. Like, are you gonna are you expecting the same level of accountability from your from your top players that you are some of your your role players? And it's different, I will say, from seeing Patrick Beverly or Kawhi Leonard or Paul George playing at half speed than it is seeing Russell Westbrook or James Harden go at half speed on defense. Yeah, I think they need some of that, though. Do they want it, though? Like, how does Russell Westbrook and James Harden respond to that? Yeah, that's a good question. Something that I would say is a risky established option for them, um, and I haven't heard the name a lot until you actually sent it over, is Dave Yeager. Just because when yeah. you look at he's sort of been boxed in as this defensive mind, and, and he's known to be one. But like, in that final season in Sacramento, where people thought he liked to run these grinded-out offenses— um, and I, you could look at pace. I think they were top five in pace that year, but I like to look at when it's available, like the average time to shoot, uh, just because pace is relative to the other team. Sacramento was second in the average time it took to take a shot, uh, during, uh, during that 2018, 2019 season. And then when it was after a made shot, they were third, so like, which is super high. So you're talking about when there's probably more likely to be a set uh, or you're going up against a set defense, 
I'll say. So he feels like an interesting name just based off how the Rockets played this season under D'Antoni with Russell Westbrook. And I'm not trying to draw parallels between Westbrook and De'Aaron Fox, but there are like a lot of like similarities in the way that you would want to play if they're your point guard alongside another um, primary playmaker like uh, James Harden. So I'm surprised that he's not a name that's been floated around a little bit more. He would be, I agree with you that Doc Rivers feels like this just safe option, but if you're looking at sort of this established name who might have that, you know, a little bit of that clout, but then there's also like, there's a risk, but there's also like this, this variance in ceiling where he could probably really raise your ceiling more than some of these other guys. I feel like Dave Yeager could work his way in there. So I wrote his name down for two reasons. I'm so glad you chose to go in this direction because Dave Yeager, I think, is probably the most underrated coach on the open market. Like, I think he's very, very skilled, especially as an X's and O tactician. Like, Look, he's his- definitely more skilled than Luke Walton. Sorry to interject, but that was just <laughs> Sacramento is going to Sacramento, I guess. But please carry on. I'm sorry. No, as an out-of-timeout coach, like, Dave Yeager was one of the best I've seen. Like he was legitimately like going through league pass. Like it almost surprised you because you didn't, you never heard of Dave Yeager in that way. Mm-hmm. But when I used to, when I used to flip around league pass, I, I I'd watch Sacramento for a little bit. I'm like, what the f- is Dave Yeager doing here? Like, <laughs> like and, and it it would it would legitimately create a a really nice offensive possession for the team. Uh, and I I don't think people think of Dave Yeager that way. I think they think of him as you said in that create in that you know defensive hard nosed kind of role because he had to coach those Memphis teams. But I think he's legitimately. An, an awesome coach. The only problem here is that he has a he has an ability to be very grading to the front office. Like this is a guy who's not 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 once but twice sought for other jobs while he was still a head coach. Right? Like like he, he is he is a wild card in that way. But if Dave Yeager can just get his together and just you know like calm down and like be fine where he is. I think that's a name like they, they interviewed Dave Yeager in 2016. Like that's a guy the Rockets looked at, but you know, I think, I think they should give him another look. Like, I think, you know, I think people look at retreads in a certain way. I don't think they should look at Dave Yeager in that way. Like he's, he's a guy who yes, has, has had his time in the league, but I think he's, if, if you're talking about coaches that you believe can elevate you to a different level, Dave Yeager is definitely one of those guys that I think could possibly do that. We just don't talk enough, talk enough about him. Yeah, there's look, but you mentioned the two issues at the top is like the way he left Memphis, where he was kind of like, I mean, or even how he was promoted in Memphis, where he was kind of coming for Lyle, Lionel Hollins' job at the time. Like when you're the head coach, you don't really have to worry about that unless he's going to make the Jason Kidd play. He wants to be like the GM too. Uh, and then in Sacramento specifically, like I don't know how much I'm going to like penalize him for having an issue with Lottie Devox's front office. Like I just, you know, how much fault do you ascribe to that? And so if you don't think he's going to butt heads or try any of this, like, you know, quirky with uh, the shadow games, right? Yeah, like, the, sh- the, sh- the shadow game with Daryl Morey, then he would absolutely be worth a look. Again, there's definitely more, there's inherently more risk there than a Doc Rivers type, I think, who he just comes in and has, you know, I think people tend to, um, and this is, I think specifically with black head coaches, they tend to, to pigeonhole them to like, you know, there are these rah-rah guys and get their players amped. I don't want to make Doc Rivers out to be that because he's a really, really good coach from when you like read about him and then just like how, um, what he's been able to do defensively like throughout his coaching career. And then even how he was able to adapt his offense in Los Angeles. So I don't want to box him in there, but he's going to come in because of his track record and have more of the respect of the players than I think a Dave Yeager is. So like, if that's something you're concerned about, then yes, you absolutely go with that. But if you're willing to like kind of swing for the fences here, or maybe let's say, you know, does doc all of a sudden become 
a candidate in Philly? Like, I don't, I don't really, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Does he maybe intrigued by just new Orleans? Like it's sort of the, he's never wanted to rebuild ever since like that Boston title, but like new Orleans is kind of caught between two grounds where they're not really rebuilding, but they're not necessarily win now. Uh, let's just say he's scooped up. Like Dave Yeager could be like kind of the second option of that. Maybe Ty Lue is there as well, but I, I probably agree with you. I don't know if he would be my most underrated coach on the market, but he's, he's definitely, he's definitely up there where I'm surprised that he's not mentioned more for these openings. And I, I don't know if that's because like you talked about, like the shadow game stuff that he plays behind the scenes. A second coach I have is like an underrated kind of like, no one's really talking about him for the Rockets job, Alvin Gentry. Because if you're talking about just transitioning from Mike, Mike D'Antoni, a really like smooth way, it doesn't get any smoother than Alvin Gentry, right? Right. Like, like you're talking about his lead assistant when he was in Phoenix. Uh, he wants to play this way. Uh, he obviously likes to shoot threes, likes likes to shoot free throws, layups, all that stuff. Would would gel really nicely with the front office. Um, really laid back guy as well. Um, self self deprecating a lot, lot lot of similar qualities to Mike D'Antoni and and Doc Rivers. And I don't I don't know why you know we're not mentioning Alvin for a lot of these other jobs. I, I guess the Pelicans thing really didn't work out well, or I, I really don't think that front office equipped him with the best quality tools. And I think if, if he gets another run at it, I, you know, Houston's an interesting spot for him. Yeah. And look, it's, you know, there have been people who have like mentioned like Mike D'Antoni for the Pelicans. And that feels like too similar of a move that like you need to get someone different because it feels like they wanted someone who was going to maybe coach more defense or just, hold his players more accountable or be more for like a, like be prepped for more of a rebuild. But like, it's the inverse situation here. The Rockets wanted to keep Mike D'Antoni and Alvin Gentry was an understudy at one point. And then just the time he spent with the Warriors too, like he could definitely be a name that, that they should absolutely look at. I've wondered not to move on from him so quickly, but like, I've also kind of wondered why Stan Van Gundy hasn't been mentioned. Throughout no, you, this. You're right. I mean, this is the second time you mentioned him, but he, he, I 100% agree. Like, I don't know why Stan Van Gundy isn't being mentioned, but I guess I guess his his last couple exits have been ugly enough to where people want to stay away from for a little bit, but I I I don't know. Like I I would definitely give Stan another shot at some of these jobs, or maybe he wants to stay in TV. Maybe team. So a lot of times, what a lot of teams do is they inquire about these guys, and you know they'll send feelers out, and behind the scenes they'll just say like, I'm not really interested right now. And maybe that's what Stan's doing. Maybe that's why his name's not coming up, right? Maybe people have sent feelers out for Stan. And he's just kind of like not like I'm kind of chill over here uh, on the TV side. Like I really like it here. Like I, he's I, I so get, good at it. Yeah, I get I get why Jeff love, loves it so much. Like it's a really comfy job, uh, and you get paid pretty pretty handsomely there. But it is definitely one of those one of those names where like it makes a lot of sense if you're Houston to at least inquire about Stan, right? Like, I mean, you're already inquiring about Jeff, right? Right. Maybe maybe inquire about his brother. And look, the thing is, is like when you look at um, not so much how they played in Detroit, but like, you know, still they were heavy pick and roll there with healthy Reggie Jackson. And then just kind of the way that they, they didn't introduce, but like they were sort of a chaperone for the four out model around Dwight Howard. Like it almost seems kind of natural that he would be okay with like this nano ball setup in Houston. And like, yeah, they've, the Rockets have ditched a lot of their pick and roll ap- actions, but it just felt like he was sort of, I don't even know if ahead of the curve is the right right way to put it but like he was on the eight ball about the three-point revolution with those magic teams and then i don't know that he ever had the personnel in detroit to champion it effectively and then that's also on him because he was he was the team president at that point so uh, i would think he would be at least 
worth consideration. I would like him more so with the Clippers than I would with the Rockets, to be honest with you. But if you were looking at just established names, like I, I might put, I'm probably with you where I'd put Doc Rivers at number one. I might have Ty Lue there, but then like immediately after them, like I'm looking at SVG and um, Dave Yeager, as we were just talking about before. Um, let's talk about Ty Lue because we mentioned him a couple times. And I think before Doc Rivers became a free agent head coach, like this was probably the most logical fit for Houston, right? Like in terms of like, like former player, good interpersonal skills, um, really good offensive coach in Cleveland, which, you know, he didn't get enough credit for, which I, I think it no, is. Everyone one of those- remembers him for like putting the money in the ceiling and saying, we're going to be back for a game seven or whatever it was. Yeah, but people, it's it's much like what you said about the rah rah thing with with blackhead coaches, which I don't know why it's a thing, but it's it's a thing. I think people look at Ty Lue in that way, but he's a really good clipboard guy, man. Like like he was one of those guys where definitely knew what he was doing uh, once it came to those deep playoff runs. And I thought, I thought it was a logical fit before Doc Rivers became a free agent head coach. Like if if they if they lose out on Doc. Ty Lue is definitely someone I have in that same tier of coaches. I, I give Doc the edge because I think he's a little bit better defensively, and I think uh, he has a longer track record. That's why I had Doc ahead of him. But Ty Lue is definitely right there. Yeah, and look, he knows how to, as you know, the athletic Seth part now is kind of coined. Like he, having been with LeBron and then Kyrie as well, like he knows how to coach those heliocentric offenses specifically. So it's not even just a matter of being a clipboard mind. Like, yeah, you definitely want to see some cool stuff in Houston, but there's also like a level of like, well, we have the two guys and like the offense has to run through them. And like, that's not a problem for him. So he, there's a case for him to be put above doc for me. I just think I would be curious because of how um, hands-on it seems like he was, or maybe like, maybe like how, you know, and it's not even that, like he seems like because he's a former player and like a a semi recently, like compared to these other guys, like former player, like he might just be able to relate to these players better and then read the room. So like he knew what Cleveland needed emotionally and so maybe he comes into houston and he knows what they need emotionally so he's a little bit more hands-off and that might be why i would argue for him over doc rivers a little bit like i get it if you think that doc rivers is just more of that sure thing um gonna be able to be okay coaching a veteran team that's maybe not all about it for all 82 games of the seasons but at the same time like james harden is very invested in the regular season when it comes to contending for mvps and that's not even me just being sarcastic or rude and so maybe Ty Lue ends up being like just a, a monster fit for him yeah, and when you talk to players around the league about the Rockets job, Ty Lue was the the name that came up most for me, right? Like, he, like for some reason, people thought that the Rockets need a former player in that kind of a position, and the Doc's kind of a little bit out of it, out of it in terms of his playing career. And Ty Lue is just in that sweet spot to where he can still relate to players in a way that maybe players who are who are like twenty years out of the out of the game can't, right? And I think mm-hmm. I think that gives him a leg up. Yeah, look, you don't have to deal with the shadow game stuff like you do with Jason Kidd. Yeah, and and if you if you remember, like with Ty Lue before he got the the Cleveland job, like he was talked about as one of these young assistants we're talking about right now. But what happened is like he got hired as that lead assistant job, highest lead, highest paid assistant in league history, and uh, you know he got he eventually got the job when uh, Cleveland decided to move on, and it was. It was one of those things where I, I guess we forgot about his reputation prior to that, but he's definitely a bright young guy around the league, and we don't think of him that like like that anymore because he's a little bit more seasoned. But I think that helps his case, not hurts his case. Yeah, for sure. And look, the it's weird that like we don't. I think because he came out, if I remember correctly, and like didn't want the position at first in Cleveland because of the optics of his being hired and then replacing David Blatt. It's like sort of interesting that he finds himself in the same situation again where he's with the Clippers. 
and then like it's his first year there uh and then Doc Rivers is out now he's like a head coaching candidate it's definitely different circumstances but he almost has the the track record has the look and feel of a shadow game it's clearly not uh but it's you know you talk about what Jason Kidd is trying to do or what Dave Yeager's actually done and like Ty Lue being an assistant with the team that he could potentially take over for a year uh like before it happens is, is actually like just it's just a weird anecdote it almost makes you think wonder if he would want the job, right? Because he's been with Doc pretty much his entire coaching career. And I'm not sure if he would want like I, I don't I don't think Doc would take offense to it, but I but I wonder if, if Ty Lu would be hesitant to take that job because of the optics there. Yeah, I mean, um I don't like does it help or hurt that he was with the Clippers before he went to Cleveland? Like so that this is technically his like second go around there, but that might even make it worse because it means that he spent more time with doc. So I'm with you there. Maybe he just doesn't want to touch it, but it seems like he might be offensively exactly what they need, where when you watch them, it doesn't like, even with Houston, if they're going to rely on ISO ball, like there's still things happening that make you feel like it's a system um, where guys are either moving or guys know where they are with their spots. Like there just didn't seem like to be, uh, and maybe I'm wrong because I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be an X's and O's King, but it just felt like their offense even though it was good at times, just had no flow. And it feels like he would be someone who can inject flow into an offense. And for Houston, what that means is like, maybe there's more of a continuation from what D'Antoni was doing. All right. So we talked about Jason Kidd a couple of times here, and I I have a feeling I know what you think about Jason Kidd at this point, but um, I mean, listen, the Rockets have inquired about him. So I'll, I'll ask this. Do you, do you think there's any scenario where Jason Kidd is a good head coach of the NBA one day. Like, do you think? Do you think that's completely out the window at this point? Because I'll be honest, I have not given up on that notion yet. I wouldn't say I would give up on it, but just the stuff. I mean, like, I'm not a fan of his, you know, like legal the antics, record. right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, there's the whole um, how good of a person actually is he? And I guess the oh, always- okay, I, I see what you're. I see where you're yeah. going. With this. So yeah. it's and look, I don't want to speak like you know people can. Um, personalities can be rehabilitated, but like even the stuff he's done in the NBA where forget about how he left the nets, like even how he left the Bucks, where he just like kind of aired what Giannis had said to him, like where he basically begged the Bucks not to get rid of kid or said that he would go like he was in tears or something like that's like, like what, like what? So I'm like all that stuff combined just makes me uneasy. And it feels like to me that he needs to pay his dues more, on the sideline as a member of a staff for longer to prove that he can be more of a trustworthy option. And then like, I feel like as an assistant, um, whether it's in LA, whether it's somewhere else, like that's where you might be able to focus on player development a little bit more because it felt like there wasn't enough, particularly in Milwaukee. Um, and then in Brooklyn, it never felt like he was coaching like a team that was you know prided on development anyway. Like they were just missing things from what Giannis was doing where it felt like he wouldn't fully unleash him. And like now people are killing Budenholzer for that. But like Giannis does a lot more stuff under coach Bud than he ever did with Jason Kidd. Yeah, it, it it's definitely one of those things where like the Lakers definitely put that in their calculus in terms of like the personal stuff with Jason Kidd. And I think he definitely skipped the line a little bit, right? When, when he got hired. And it's not a little bit. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a surprise, right? Like like Steve Nash skipped the line too. It's and my guess is when Chauncey Billups eventually takes a front office job or takes a head coaching job, he's going to still skip the line a little bit. So I, I wonder if he if he wants to if he wants his his image rehabilitated, if he wants to or if he wants to jump right back into head coaching. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I get the sense that he wants to jump back into it because of of what he's done uh, with these past organizations, but. 
he de- it would definitely do him some good to stay on that Lakers staff for a little bit longer. Yeah, and I mean, look, maybe maybe this might just be a a matter of good opportunity though, because if they win the title, like that might just be a great launching point for him to get back in the equation. There might be stories that come out about talking about oh how good he was with you know, Kyle Kuzma or something. Like I, I don't know. So uh, I still think it's I'm not particularly if I'm a franchise with immediate ambitions, I'm not touching Jason Kidd with a twenty foot pole. No, I, I wouldn't either. I it's I just I'm just I just wanted to touch on it. I just wanted to touch on it because I don't think the Rockets are seriously considering him. I guess I can, kudos to his agents for getting his name out there is all, is all I could say. Right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's just one of those things where like I, I, maybe not now, but five ten years down the line, I could definitely see Jason Kidd being a head coach in this league again. And you know, however you feel about him personally, I you know, as a basketball mind, I still think the potential for him to being a for being a really good head coach is still on the table. Right. And look, maybe he learned like from his experience in probably not so much Brooklyn, but definitely Milwaukee. And so there's always that possibility. I just, I don't want to be the team right now to experiment with it. No, for sure. If, if you're the Rockets, you do not touch that right now. All right, Dan, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, where can we follow your work and reach and follow you on Twitter? Um, I cover the NBA for Bleach Report. I have my own podcast, Hardwood Knox. If you just follow me on Twitter, that's where you'll see all my stuff. It's just at my name, at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. All right. Thank you so much, Dan. No problem. Thanks for having me.